ادب نمبر تین مرید کو چاہیے کہ اپنے پیڑ بھائیوں کی دنیاوی خیر خواہی بھی کرے مگر اس سے بڑھ کر ان کی دینی خیر خواہی کرے نبی اکرم صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم نے اشاد فرمایا دین النصیحہ رواہ بخاری دین خیر خواہی کا نام ہے ادب نمبر تھری If it's the traveler on this path and the seeker of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they should be concerned and considerate and helpful regarding the worldly matters and affairs of their fellow seeker. But even more so, they should be concerned and considerate and helpful about the dini religious matters of their fellow seeker. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith narrated by Imam Bukhari the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that all of deen consists in sincere counsel and advice. The deen itself lies in giving sincere counsel and advice. So the first thing this shows and this is a it shows that this is a ta'luk this is a ta'luk a nisbat this is a relation and in pre-modern times classical times you would have all types of muridin in terms of their social background wealthy less wealthy poor, more poor, less poor, all types of ranges. So this nasiha in our deen, which is the translated in Urdu as khirkhahi, means to help someone, have the intention to help someone through counsel and advice. So the first step in that is to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept one to be a helper of others. Because many times you will not even be able to outwardly know or discover who needs your help or assistance or guidance. Because if your fellow seeker is sincere, he is going to do his best to hide it from you. You will never know how needy he may be. You will never. You will just assume that he may be just like you and may have all the money in the world means have plenty of money to spend, easily be able to afford transport, easily be able to travel. But if you make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you want to do, and this is the secret behind every khidmat of deen, that if a person really has ikhlas and has talab, then Allah ta'ala gives them kubuliyya. So if a person really sincerely wants to do this type of khidmat, then Allah Ta'ala will accept him one way or the other, somehow or the other, to do this. When you do get informed and then realize that somebody has such... And I'm right now talking about the worldly part, dunyavi right now. When you do get informed and realize that somebody has that need, as much as he tried to hide his or her need from you, Equally much, if not more so, you have to try to hide your help to them. 
that you give them, right? If possible, hide it from them also. If possible, hide it from them also. For example, if you want to give someone money, I'm giving you as an example, right? There's no need for you to give it to them, but then think, okay, I will never tell anyone else. You can easily stuff, put an envelope in their pocket or in their bag, right? And just so they don't worry that, okay, with some mystery money, that perhaps you can write something in the envelope, you know, cover some sentence or words, clear that it's meant for them, you know, for example, 4x, with love. But then they'll know it's theirs, and it's mananoga, it's manan that, okay, it's for them, right? There won't be any question that this is maybe somebody else's money, somebody else's property, right? But they may never know who gave it to them, Right? Or, it's not always about money. Dunya is about many other things also. Dunya can be about advice, guidance, sometimes in studies, sometimes in career, sometimes in job, right? And again, you either have to make dua to Allah Ta'ala that he opens up somebody's situation to you, or if you're even slightly or fairly observant, you may be able to spy out someone who could perhaps benefit from your guidance or your experience if you're older than them, right? Or your wisdom or you're advising them. The contrast to this is a person leading a selfish, self-centered life. Whereas although they physically interact and intermingle with others, their heart does not interact and intermingle with others. They're in their own world. Up and up in the Salah. Huh? They're doing their own thing, living their own life. This indicates a hardness of the heart. So this is why it's part of the Adam of Saluk, because you want your heart to be softened. If a person's heart is so hardened, like you would remember in the classes at Lamas, I would often tell the students that you have no empathy for the guards, and when you eat with them in PDC, you just walk right by them, and you will order chicken or Chinese every single time. And they will order dal and sabzi every single time. And it will never occur to you. Hello, at least you could sit with them. Maybe there would be a bit of an embarrassment for you or them if you were to get them chicken, right? You may think like that, right? But you don't even view them as worthy as shaking their hand or talking to them, right? And you'd be amazed. MashaAllah. Some of the guards had a lot of husnizan about you. And this I've never told anyone. Uh, sometimes the guards used to talk to me. Heartless to say, they would see you on campus. I have a lot of love for you. They would come up to me and they would say, Apne, Firstawali Jamal Kasidiarki, Amin Kundekar Amirashkat. And I would wonder that you would just walk right by them. So you were unaware of them, but they were very aware of you. And you will find actually much more. Sincerity amongst the poor people. And sometimes I'm amazed how sincere a poor person can be and how 
hard-hearted, the elites of this country are. Indeed. And sometimes I would then see them looking at you, and you wouldn't even know you'd be walking by, and I would be looking at them, and they'd be looking at you. Few, few of the guards were like that. So here a person should have some empathy, whether they're the fellow poor in their own tariqa or in their own community, right? Means that saluk is something, deen is something that should melt your heart in such a way that you should be able to feel your surrounding. You should be aware of your surrounding. You should never be unaware of the needs of others. And there's so many stories of Sahaba Quran. Where the first Jamaat of Salikin, hmm? the greatest peer bias to one another, huh? where Sahaba Ikram, how much they would do for one another, how much they would love one another, how much they would help one another, how much they would guide one another. Most, perhaps, often quoted story is that when the Mahajirun came to Medina Manawra, and Nabiya Karim Sassa made a nisbati mu'akhat. He paired one muhajir and one ansar as uh, brothers. And he told the muhajir that, and the ansar, rather, that, uh, you know, you have to help these people. Now think about it, for most of the ansar, a few of them had come to Makmakarma. And obviously when they came, mostly they would, because they traveled for so long, had such few days with the Paltasam, all of their attention would have been on Nabi Akrim sallallahu They didn't really know. Many of the Ansar, there would have been some, but many of the Ansar did not know deeply, intimately, necessarily that Mahajir with whom they were paired off. But all Nabi Akrim had to give that ishara. And they started just having everything in their life. Even to the extent that some who had two wives sat down and if their Mahajir, if it so happened, that they were paired with a Mahajir who for some reason didn't have a wife, they would want to divorce one of their wife and then ask that wife to marry that Mahajir. Allah can you imagine such a level of, no one can think like that, <laughs> to give one's wife away. Ajeeb, they had a love for one another. Mahajir and Ansar, it's the greatest example in all of human history of the brotherhood that can exist between men. So that is a feature of our deen. And that is a feature when a person's heart is softened by the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the second aspect is dini khairkai. Right? And this is also very important. And the worst opposite of this is to undercut someone in deen. Undercut someone in deen. And if you know something of benefit, and then on top of it you actually had the opportunity to share it with someone, but you deliberately don't share it with them. Whether you have some recordings that you don't share with anyone else, hmm? you have some notes that you don't share with anyone else, you have some files that you don't share with anyone else, hmm? you know something, you're studying for the exam, huh? And you know something, or you had a different set of teachers, but you choose not to share it. Some people mistakenly, it's a big, in Alhamdulillah, our students don't really have this problem, 
But in some Dini circles, there's a big misunderstanding of Tanafus. And that is, Tanafus is a concept that you should mutually strive to excel. That's what it meant. You should mutually strive to excel. But it wasn't that you should try to outdo one another by undercutting one another. That's not what it meant. Because that would go against the Deen al-Nasiha. Right? Obviously, if you don't give Nasiha to someone, then you may be able to surpass them. And that's not what Allah subhanahu ta'ala wants. I've in some other circles literally seen people quote that ayah on Tanafas that we are mutually striving to excel in over one another. And therefore, this is why we don't share. Yes, at the same time, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to share every single thing that you have to start revealing your you know, 24-hour schedule and how you manage to do what you do and you don't have to broadcast everything. It's about the question that when an opportunity presents itself, there are certain moments like that when there may be something that you know you could have shared. By sharing it, it wouldn't have prevented you from benefiting it, but yes, the other people can benefit. And what, why is the ugliness of this negative emotion? Because what does it mean? In your heart, you think that maybe they'll benefit from it more than I will. That's why you don't want to tell them. Right? If you knew they couldn't benefit at all, you would tell them. If you knew they would benefit less than you, you would tell them. That if your heart thinks that maybe they'll benefit more, hmm? or the commentary, you don't want to tell them. You see them walking around with the other one, you're like, yeah, that, that's not, I, I have the really good one, but I won't tell them. Right? So that means what you think they will benefit more. So that means you're trying to deprive the person of benefit. You don't want them to benefit indeed. So what type of brotherhood is that? What type of fellowship is that? Right? So it's a very difficult thing to do. This is why Imam Rabbani Majid al-Fasani Shaykh Masri Hindi Ramtai wrote as Maktubat. And it means about people who are on haq. He said, Jahan bi deen ka kaam ho raha we're happy. You don't think that has to be me, or it should be only me, or it should be done my way, or I had that idea. I was going to give that lecture series, and so and so emailed the exact same topic. She beat me to it. Hmm? She took my idea. Allah Akbar. I should be happy, right? Once Hazrati was explaining to some women and he told them that look, look out there and I'll, I'll change the example a little bit. If you look out there, you have Beacon House, you have City School, you have Jane's LGS, Jane's Educators and Lagos, right? And they're all over the place, right? And if there's a beacon house right here, they open up a city school right next to it. So be the same thing in madrasas. There can be one madrasa, two madrasa, five madrasa, ten madrasas. When there's so many schools out there, right? How can anybody think that no, everybody should just be coming to me? It should all be mine. Right? It can never be like that. And the ones who are going to come to you, will always come to you. They're destined to come to you. They're your ruhani risk. There's no power on earth that can divert them from you. And the ones who are destined to go somewhere else, there's no power on earth that can divert those ones from somewhere else to you. 
That's the way it is, right? In the beginning, when people do work at Deen, it's only natural emotionally to have a lot of desire or hears to maximize their students. And we've seen this in some of our colleagues as well when they start out. So much so that they may even end up doing a couple of times things that are a bit inappropriate. <laughs> Almost like trying to capture as many students as possible. <laughs> so instead of doing it in a way that is best for deen, right? So imagine if all the Khulafa and Lahore all tried to go to Lums and we all left every other place. <laughs> Then it would be foolish, right? It would be duplication of effort, it would be overlap, it would be unnecessary competition. For example, if you go to an African country and there are only 20 doctors, do you think all 20 are going to sit in the same village? It would be foolish. But if they're so caught up that no, but I want all the, each one wants the maximum people in the village, then fine, that village will get well serviced, right? But then the rest of the country will become mahrum, right? So sometimes it takes time for people to understand that, to get that maturity in their approach, in their khidmat of deen. So that is one way also, khair khahi in deen, our own development of deen, but also khidmat of deen. And the greatest khair khahi and nasiha in a sense that a person can do is make dua for someone else, right? Always be sometime. This why Nabi Akram Sallallahu his sunnah is to make dua for the entire ummah at all times, right? And that was feeling. That was just an abstract rolling off on his tongue dua. He really felt such compassion, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, for the entire ummah. So we should also feel that genuine compassion for others. And there's something related to this that is next. So other number chart. اگر کوئی مرید ساری رات جا کر عبادت کرے تو وہ بھی اپنے آپ کو اس مائے سے افضل نہ سمجھے جو فقط سحری کے وقت جاگے بلکہ اس کی نیند کو اپنی عبادت سے افضل جانے ادب نمبر فور اف اینی ٹریولر آن دا پیتھ اینڈ سیکر آن دا پلیجر اللہ سبان و تعالیٰ ریمینز اویک آل نائٹ لانگ ان دا ورشپ آف اللہ سبان تعالیٰ Even then he should not view himself in any way superior to that fellow seeker who only woke up few moments or before Tahajjud, uh, before Fajr at the time of Tahajjud or Suhoor. Rather, in fact, they should view the sleep of their fellow seeker as superior to their ibadah that they did at night. This is one of the things, right, that shaitan obviously breeds into a person. Yes, you may find, right, you're with someone, traveling with someone in masjid, in itikaf, in ijtima, anywhere. Or you may happen to find out through some other way, this literal example, but this could represent many things. But literally that you were up praying salah and everybody else is sleeping. You shouldn't think of yourself that you are now champion, champion salak, that you give yourself number one trophy. huh? And the others, they're all just sleeping. Hmm? That she used to think that if I started thinking like that Then my ibadat has riya And sleep doesn't have any riya in it In fact they're so secure They're sleeping in front of everyone without any shame Be riya neen soreng Or me ba riya ibadat So They're sleeping And I'm doing ibadat But I'm doing riya <laughs> Yes 
So that's one thing. Second is even if you say, no, okay, I didn't think this, I didn't have Riyah. But still, in fact, there is a, in there is a hadith of Nabi Akrim Sassam that there are some of Allah Ta'ala's ibad that he wakes up, send Allah Ta'ala sends angels to wake them up in the mother of the night. Some Allah Ta'ala sends them before. Some Allah Ta'ala sends angels to wake them up at Fajr. And there's some who Allah Ta'ala lets them sleep and he writes the sawab of ibadat for them through the hajjah time, through the night. Right? Because they are the people who, for example, the ulama of deen, they're working all day. So even their sleep is actually just charging their batteries so that they can work again. So Allah Ta'ala views their sleep as ibadat. And again, that's an ibadat without riya. That's an ibadat without ghafla. Because when Allah Ta'ala writes the sawab of ibadat, so then there's no riya, no ghafla, nothing in that. Whereas in our own ibadat, there may be any of those things that we're offering. But the real point generally other than the particular example, is that we should never ever view ourselves greater than anyone. And generally, but especially due to some amal. Because instead we should think of our sins, and the sins we have done are yaqeen, and whatever they may have done, that zan or shak we may have, we don't know, right? So we should think that our sins are greater than that person, and therefore they are better than us, and we are worse than them. This can also be another thing, not just ibadah, but let's say in speaking or teaching. So if someone conducts, one teacher conducts Dorit of Seer and she has 40 students and the other one conducts Dorit of Seer and she gets 80 students. So khud kalam nikal kar apne I got 80 students, the other one got 40 students. It's not necessarily like that, right? Every single thing that Allah Ta'ala bestows on us should not be viewed and transmitted into a way that we feel that we are better or superior to others, right? It's not about the numbers, it's not about the amal, it's only about what Allah Ta'ala will accept. So there's one thing that guaranteed Allah Ta'ala accepts. And that same thing can wipe all of this away. And that one thing is Adzi. Adzi makbool hota That's confirmed. Aapka prahanam makbool hai nahi hai Allah walam. Aapka namaz makbool hai nahi hai Allah walam. Ek cheez hai jo guarantee kubool hota hai. Wo aapke adzi hai. Better to be adz. Better to be humble. We won't know if any of the things that we're doing and that others aren't doing will be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah may accept it for the benefit of people but they may not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may not accept it for our Salvation on the Akhirah, right? It's another thing people should realize. What Allah Ta'ala benefits people by doesn't mean necessarily Allah Ta'ala will benefit that person by. That's between them and Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment, right? That's why they say that. Kota Karakon hai. That you'll find out on that day. Many people will be surprised. Maybe that teacher who had the smallest number of students will have the highest maqam on the Day of Judgment. And maybe that teacher who had the most students, maybe she'll have the lowest maqam on the Day of Judgment. Maybe the one who has the most students will have the highest maqam on the Day of Judgment. And the one who has the least students will have the lowest maqam on the Day of Judgment. Allahu Alam. We cannot be assigning maqamah to ourselves in this world. Right? If we do that, 
that one we should assign is we should view ourselves to be the lowest. We should view ourselves to be the lowest. So the test of this then is we should also, relating these two, is then we should always be happy. That's what Imam Al-Banatah was saying. That I get happy whenever I hear that the khidmat is being done by anyone in the world. I make, it, makes me, it makes me overjoyed. Overjoyed. Not saddened, not that, oh, I was going to go there. That was the country I was going to visit. Right? That was the idea I had. That was the university I was thinking of speaking at. That was the neighborhood that I planned on visit. No. Whenever you hear any work of deen, right, is happening by anyone, it's on haq, right, they're, do, they're people of haq, they're doing work of deen is haq, but other than you, you should be happy about it. You should be sincerely happy. You should be even happier. You should think, I say that, subhanAllah, that's one thing I can scratch off my list of things to do, <laughs> right? And so maybe you also had a sincere niyat that you wanted to do khidmat of deen in that way, in that place. If somebody, quote-unquote, beat you to it, you should be happy. <laughs> you should be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fulfilling that. It leaves you time for, your, for something else, for your own ibadat, or for your own family. Right? But again, it takes time. It takes a bit of time to develop this maturity. In the beginning, a person does feel these improper feelings. And the genuine people, they feel embarrassed about that. They feel shame. They look at their heart and they feel shame that, why am I feeling this? Why do I have this hustle in me? Why do I have this riyah in me? Why do I have this jealousy in me? Why do I have this bugs in me? So as long as they feel the sting of it, and they keep making tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they maintain their zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they keep making dua for the other person, right? The more and more dua we make for our brethren, the more and more we will be able to have the proper adab towards them. So these were the two adab for tonight. Again, the way we should behave with and our outlook for fellow brethren on the tariqah, as well as our outlook generally for other Muslims.